Star Wars 7x7 episode 633. Today we continue our briefing on the Clone Wars for you with episode 21 from season 1, Liberty on Ryloth. Punch it, Chewie. Hey there, this is Tim McMahon, Alan's co-host from the Expanded Comicverse podcast. But hey, you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, a daily Star Wars podcast, seven minutes a day, seven days a week. How awesome is that? Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host Alan Voivod, and this is the third in a three-episode arc about the planet Ryloth in the Star Wars galaxy. A very important planet, it does keep coming up. And there are a couple of ties to things in the new canon as well. Not that this isn't canon itself, but you know what I mean. (laughs) And as opposed to the first episode, which featured the exploits of Anakin and Ahsoka, the second episode, which featured the exploits of Obi-Wan Kenobi, this episode features the exploits of Mace Windu leading Lightning Squadron on a final attack on the capital city of Lasu. And I think one of the things that surprises me most, again, this is a theme that's come up a few times in the first season, just the casualties of war and this being a children's cartoon, granted not entirely a children's cartoon, probably written for an adult perspective as well, but definitely for being targeted at kids right from the beginning when the uh, the Republic is marching and they're pinned down by droid tanks and whatnot, and one of their walkers gets smashed, like shot up right at the head of the line, which prevents all the rest of them from getting anywhere, and then they're boxed in and just getting picked off. Mace Windu says, you know, what are our casualties? And they're reported at 32, plus a couple of ships. That's 32 clones dead. This is different from droids getting killed. These are actual clones. And the creators of Clone Wars have made strides in differentiating the individual clones and giving some of them personalities. So already, like, toward the end of the season, we're hearing about 32 dead, but we're hearing about 32 dead people, for all intents and purposes. And it does seem pretty amazing how quickly and casually it's brushed off. But it is glossed over very quickly because then it's, well, let's get out the walkers. And they get out these very agile, not, you know, like the uh, scout walkers that we remember from the original trilogy. But definitely ones that can run like emus or ostriches, basically. And they run all the way to where the tanks are. And you hear battle droids going, should we surrender? Did we get them? And no answers. And, ah, no, we should have surrendered. So it's immediately wiped out with comic interludes all the grim realities of war. And, you know, that's not even the worst thing that happens in the episode. They actually arm vulture droids, those, you know, flying droids, with bombs, and they go out and firebomb some of the villages on Ryloth. And the clones note that at least one that they come up to is occupied mostly by women and children. Women and children! This is what they're bombing. This is what they're putting on in this cartoon. And they try to bomb the capital of Lesu, of course, but Anakin and Ahsoka come flying down in their Jedi Starfighters and destroy all the bombers in time, and Wat Tambor is captured. Anakin and Ahsoka also shoot down a bunch of bombers that are bombing the villages, so all's well that ends well, right? Right. Meanwhile, the episode is notable because we get to see Mace Windu in action and just how powerful he can be. They're on a plasma bridge that's the only way in or out of the capital city of Lasu. When the droids realize that there's a Jedi and two clones in one of the tanks they've commandeered and turn the bridge off while they're in the middle of it. 
So Mace Windu is able to force lift and throw his two clone escorts all the way or the rest of the way across the bridge and grab onto the end. Meanwhile, he's able to jump on the falling pieces of tanks and droids that he's killed, jump up to one of the droids flying around on a stap and stare him down face to face. The stap is those little um, single droid flying platforms that we saw at the very beginning of The Phantom Menace. It's the one that when... Uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan arrive on Naboo, and Obi-Wan's getting chased by one just after he meets Jar Jar, just after Qui-Gon meets Jar Jar. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so Mace Windu manages to commandeer the staff and get onto the other side of where the bridge is, and then lift his troops all the way, the rest of the way, to safety. Then, walking into the front gate, he's faced with at least one super battle droid, a couple of droidicas rolling at him, a bunch of battle droids, and a tank. He force pushes, and everything is destroyed in his force push wake, except for the tank, which then he drops a heavy door on to smash the tank. So, my goodness, uh, definitely a lot tougher than <laughs> Sam Jackson running around in the uh, Genosian arena in Attack of the Clones. That did not look as tough. This episode is also notable for the introduction of Cham Syndulla. Yes, the name should strike you as familiar. Um, Cham Syndulla is the father of Hera on Star Wars Rebels. And I think we see Hera here. I don't know how many daughters Cham has, but a little girl comes running in when Cham is bringing Mace Windu and the clone troopers into his hideout. Little girl comes running up to him and jumps into his arms. And that same little girl is at the victory parade at the end of the episode. I would imagine that's Hera. It doesn't actually say in Wikipedia that that's her. So it's hard to say for sure. But, I mean, that would certainly be my guess. And Sham also speaks to a character named Gobi. And kudos to the Lucasfilm Story Group for their attention to detail, because Gobi is a character that then appears in Lords of the Sith, which is one of the new canon novels that details Cham Syndulla's attempt to take out a Star Destroyer, hopefully with Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine on it. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite work out as well as they'd planned, but you'll have to read Lords of the Sith to find out the whole story. But Gobi appears in that story as well, and Gobi first appeared here in this Clone Wars episode. There is, however, one false note struck in the episode, especially with the talk about diversifying the Star Wars universe these days. When Cham Syndulla and Senator Ta, the senator for Ryloth who's out on Coruscant, agree to terms of how General Syndulla can lead a final push against the Separatists without assuming power while Senator Ta is gone, then Cham Syndulla goes out to all of his assembled resistance fighters and yells this. Men of Ryloth, the time has come to free ourselves! Yeah, men of Ryloth, right? (laughs) I have a feeling if Dave Filoni and crew could get one back on this one, it would be that one right there. And one last thing, too, just a visual note. There's a scene where Mace Windu and his two clone trooper escorts are trying to find Cham Syndulla and his resistance fighters. And they come to a place where there was a huge battle and a massacre of folks from Ryloth, and you see a ton of ships crash off in the distance, including a couple of Trade Federation landing ships and whatnot, and it does definitely echo the Graveyard of Giants scene from The Force Awakens. It is really kind of eerie how that happens, and one wonders whether that provided any sort of inspiration for the movie makers when they were making The Force Awakens. 
Hey Rebel Rouser, you're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you gotta do is go to audibletrial.com slash SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com slash SW7X7. All right, how about that trivia question for you? Listen, I've had a pretty messed up day. Last time we asked you what Kylo Ren first said when he sensed Han Solo's presence on Starkiller Base, and it was, ha Han Solo. Today's question, what did R2-D2 do after Luke disappeared? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you pick up another pathetic life form, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you like what you've been hearing, support the podcast at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a pod race bet, it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.